Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Hello and welcome to the Wrestling Should Be Fun podcast. This is episode 76 and we are joined by not one, but two members of the Wrestling Should Be Fun family. From Leicester, we've got ourselves Josh, the wingman Heedy. You've been renamed. (laughs) (laughs) That's a private joke, Ross. That will stay private. Thank you. (laughs) Private's no fun. (laughs) Yeah, let's uh, let's just say that... um, Captain Morgan's was involved. <laughs> oh, look at old Captain. How are you, Josh? I'm okay, mate. I feel like I've watched a lot of wrestling, and I know I say that a lot, but I think I worked it out. I watched about nine hours on Sunday alone of wrestling. Yes. So, yeah. Mm. <laughs> Impressive, my friend. Impressive. And well done for reaching onto the podcast after a heavy night out. <laughs> well, I appreciate it, mate. Anything for the goals. <laughs> and from across the pond... We have ourselves someone who's made themselves a pretty big name on Twitter. His name is Savior Danger on Twitter, and his name is Sal in real life. Sal, welcome to the Russian Should Be Fun podcast for the first time in what seems like a year. Yes, boy. (laughs) Yes, boy. (laughs) You know, a nod to the pond over there, to the great tag team of who uh, really is. I feel like they're going under the radar because of, you know, so many other great tag teams in the Bud Line and FTR and Briscoes, but man, pretty deadly. It's pretty great, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Pretty, pretty, pretty deadly. Pretty, pretty, pretty pretty good. (laughs) So, yes, uh, Sal, like, let people know exactly why you've been a bit of a star on Twitter over the last week. So, I'm guessing because you know, I've just made a bunch of signs, right? And it was not necessarily by design or anything. It's just that I like to kind of like make myself invested in every match possible or every type of person that's on the card. And so, you know, I, I may or may not have, you know, purchased some, some seats and some prime real estate, maybe on purpose, and uh, <laughs> maybe used a certain color of sign that might, you know, grab the attention in a dark, you know, dimly lit arena. And, you know, it's it's all about, like, you guys. Wrestling should be fun, right? So instead of, like, making a, a generic sign that says, you know, hustle, loyalty, respect, John Cena, just a catchphrase. And I like to throw a little weirdness in there, a little botchamania kind of mindset going on. And uh, it's been going pretty good. It's, it's not necessarily on purpose. I'm not trying to be the, the guy on camera. But, hey, if the camera loves me, like, Tyler Breeze, and I'm just going to sit there and look gorgeous. <laughs> I love it. I'm not going to be the guy that says the camera loves me, but I will hold a neon sign and wear a neon headband. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, don't look at me, but hey, pay attention to me. <laughs> I love it, Sal. I love it. Keep up the great work. Um, we'll go into um, some of the shows that you're at this week in What the Nerds We're Watching, but firstly, let's go through the call-up sheet. There's the jingle there. So let's start with Sal. If you haven't been listening recently to the podcast, this is where we read through a Twitter bio, one that wants a shout out, and then we give them a new wrestling character based on their uh, Twitter profile. Yeah, yeah, I saw that. I think last week y'all did it in reverse, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah, correct. <laughs> yeah, yeah that, so, one, that one seems a little easier than coming up with on the spot. It's kind of like, you know, like trying to freshen up a new character on NXT or something, yeah. 
Yeah, we're really um and get your creative juices flowing so that you can make the best sign for us later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so first up, we've got Kenny the Sports Guy, who says, Welcome to Kenny the Sports Guy podcast. He loves baseball, football, basketball, and why he stopped watching WWE a rant. So what do you think his character will we'll start with Josh? Um maybe he like because I've got my NXT head on at the moment, maybe he could be like a member of Chase U, but like specializes in like PE. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Oh yeah. man. <laughs> yeah, big into that. Um Kenny the sports guy. Chase U <laughs> first year ambassador. Love it. Um, <laughs> Sal, any ideas? Well, since he's a sports guy, but he's also a wrestling fan, maybe make him like a, a backstage segment character on some show where he basically is like starting a conspiracy that maybe wrestling is fake. So he's investigating that and comparing it to his real sports following. Love it. Absolutely love it. Yeah, fantastic. Great start. Uh, let's move on to the next one, who is our mate Clint McCormick. He's back again. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> He loves Brom, obviously, um, and uh, he, he sent us a picture saying, me, 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 and he's got a picture of himself wearing Santa glasses, short sleeves at the top of the Stadium of Light on Monday night, so he's a brave, brave man. He's a 30-something-year-old wrestling and football fan. That's soccer to you, Sal, and that's 80% of what will be here. The other 20%, we're not sure. <laughs> so I'm starting this one? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, we'll put him as a... Uh kind of a, an Abraham Lincoln type character. Love it. Uh, this might be a little too, uh, so like, <laughs> so instead of uh, abolish, abolishing slavery, he'll abolish slavery since he's a Mr. Sleeveless shirt guy. And <laughs> that'll work out for him. Sleeveless Clint, I like it. Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I know that Clint's like a fan of a few different promotions. So I feel like that should be his gimmick. He goes to every wrestling promotion, like the really small indies. And then that's his gimmick, the sleeve thing. And he just goes and tries to rid everyone of, rid all promotions of sleeves. <laughs> I like that. I like it. Um, he's also from Dudley, which is the home of um, Tyler Bates. So I'm to say that he's uh, in, um, home, home of uh, Mustache Mountain. So let's just put him in pretty strong style, I reckon. And he's strong style because he has no sleeves. <laughs> I would like I don't know this guy but I would like to see him one by one just go up to Tyler and Seven and Butch or whatever you know Pita and just rip off their sleeves and like in unison <laughs> big time um, and ultimately we've got the last Viking 22 he says real man carry axes heathen so I don't know whether he says because it's comma heathen whether it's like he is a heathen, or he's saying that other people are heathens? But he's saying that real men carry axes. Maybe he can be like a... I know it's an easy get-out, but he can be like a third one of whatever the hell the Viking group in on SmackDown are called these days. Yeah, yeah. For sure. So they could be the Viking heathens, because they've had another tag team now. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe he can be like their version of Solo Tokoa. You know, like the stoic, silent one who is just... you know, Yeah, he's the muscle of the group. Yeah, yeah, perfect, absolutely perfect. So the last Viking, Sal, any ideas? I want to see him see him start off since he's you know into the axe thing. Like, do you remember uh, Grizzly uh, Redwood from ROH, the little dude, yes. the little yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So he starts out as like his like long lost like brother from another mother kind of situation. But then like he finds out he has Viking roots and then turns on him. So he starts <laughs> yeah. off lumberjack and then he full on goes like put the horns on and turns his back on like his whole like lumberjack union friend. Yeah. He's sick of everyone thinking that he just shops at Top Shop. Yeah, yeah. I'm, like, I'm not more than a plaid shirt, brother. <laughs> um, and last but not least, we have ourselves, Harry, who goes by Hazard underscore sports one. You love sports? I got it covered with tweets about all sports news. His goal now is 2000, so why not click on that follow button? And he's from Australia. So if he's into all sports, maybe each time he wrestles or appears at a different promotion, he's as a different sportsman. Like one night he can be a footballer, the next night he can be a 10-pin bowling player. And he yeah. just has a different gimmick based on a different sport every single time he wrestles. Like Valley Breeze did for a bit when he was in um, Breezango. Yeah, perfect. And like Al Snow in the European champion being a different of Europe East Town. Love it. Also, I'm thinking that um, he could go into um, It's You with our other chap. Yeah, okay. absolutely. <laughs> Harry Chase. <laughs> Sal, should we finish off with you? Man, I was kind of thinking the same thing. It kind of reminds me like when... Uh, Charlie Haas is kind of like cosplaying as everybody, so maybe yes, it's the yeah, same yeah. thing. <laughs> but like maybe, but maybe depending if he's good guy or bad guy, like he'll dress up in like you know, like a like if he comes into Dallas, he'll wear like a Washington Commanders jersey or something like that and full on gear. Or uh, or maybe he's like a crazy person, so he just has a baseball bat, a cricket bat, a football, a baseball. He just carries everything. He's got like too many gimmicks on because he's like overly sports. But he's kind yes. of out of his mind, kind of like uh, Mo- Mojo Raleigh, but like with too many sports going on. Yes, I love it. So he's just hyped for all of it. Also, going down the Charlie Haas route, I was thinking that you could that you could potentially do all sports characters. So he would come out as like Kerwin White playing golf. He would come out. <laughs> <laughs> we don't need Kerwin oh, White back man. in 2022. He would come out as uh, Sparky Plug Holly as a NASCAR driver. <laughs> You get the vibe. Oh, man. But speaking on Kerwin and White, I, I usually on every uh, wrestling road trip or vacation I take with Mike or something, at some point that Kerwin White theme song that I wake up every morning, can't wait to embrace the day. I take my coffee by the pool. Man, that song, I don't know. It really, really gets me going in the mornings. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing, Sal. <laughs> Uh, so that is everyone's new characters. I hope that everyone's pleased with their new gimmicks. And we move on to what the nerds are watching. I've been watching you. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. Come on. A la 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 long. A la 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 long, 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 long. So I feel like for this start of this, we should really start with Sal. If you've been going to so many shows this week. Let's see not on your week as it was. So as far as like the the end the, the shows I went to live kind of thing or what do you want to do? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess the most recent was the uh, Ring of Honor Final Battle show, and I am a super Ring of Honor mark, so in my eyes they can do no wrong. But I felt <laughs> as a whole, whole the show is like a lot of fun. I mean, it may not have like the builds, or you may not necessarily knew the stories, unless you're like me and you went ahead and watched the Ring of Honor hype video they put on YouTube, which has <laughs> always done really well. But I mean, like, the, this, the wrestling itself wasn't too, like, technical. It was, like, a blend of kind of everything. You got hardcore, you got silly, you got just 
everything and then they use the local talent people really well and stuff like that to get them over in texas and i don't know it's like one of the most fun i've had at a show in a long time as far as as a whole what were your um standouts from the show now let's see the bit one of the big standouts was athena because of course athena's from like garland with you know the garland dallas kind of area and stuff so she was gonna get cheered yeah. no matter what so yeah she was getting cheered a lot <laughs> oh yeah 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 <laughs> so it's like they kind of like booked the match in a way where it's like mercedes had to wear you know wrestle kind of like a heel style and stuff to kind of match everything up and like i was just really ha- happy for her because you kind of see her like you know wrestle around here for so long and here she is now yeah. and there was a part i don't know if it came across on uh television where she took off the uh turnbuckle and threw it in the crowd like it went like about 10 rows deep in that corner and so yeah. like you know everyone was fighting to catch it but then they had security come over and take it away to bring it back, you know, to put it back in the ring. They started booing, saying, throw it back, throw it back. <laughs> so the fans were about to turn on over a turnbuckle, which is amazing that, you know, it's always good when a crowd gets into, like, the silly parts of everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, of course, the Ocho counts. I mean, that's just that's just brilliant every time, you know. It goes from, like, you know, doing the one and two and two sweet and, and you know, doing the ten from, you know, the Ty Dillinger days to now, you know. One, yeah. two, three, four, five, six, seven. Ocho! <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, that was really, you know, tugging at my heart and all that good stuff. And then uh, at the end, if you watch, uh, so I asked the uh, security guard, sent, you know, sitting next to me. I was like, you know how Ring of Our works, right? So I bought a streamer in my pocket. Didn't pull it out of security. I just but kept it in my pocket, you know, so I made a metal. So I asked him, <laughs> I was like, I really, I really wanted to throw it during Don Castle's entrance. But I was like, well, I don't want to get thrown out halfway through the show. So I asked him, I was like, can I throw it at the end? He's like, all right, I'll talk to somebody in the earpiece, whatever, and get it okay because I know how Ring of Honor works. I was like, all right, if I throw it, one of these other, you know, ushers from the local arena isn't going to, like, tackle me and try to be, like, a superhero, a TSA agent. And, right, yeah, yeah. Pull me out, you know, pull me out, whatever. So we okayed it. So uh, when Cardio wins, there's, like, one streamer that goes in, and, then, you know, the referee's holding his hands up. And I throw that green, kind of, like, the same color as my sign streamer. And Claudio doesn't catch it right away, but it goes over his shoulders, but he takes it with his hand. And as he's like, you know, walking to the you know, the hard cam side celebrating, he's holding a green streamer. And that's the one I threw. So I was oh, that's a very sick, proud man. moment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wanted to do that all out so bad for Punk. I did the same thing, but I was like, I have this chair. I'm sitting so close. I do not want to be thrown out, you know, in case I want to hang out you know, after the show and try to get pictures and all that good stuff. But so I kind of made up for that moment. It's a far better story than um, James's story from Progress, where he had one streamer <laughs> and it hit the roof and it went about six foot. <laughs> <laughs> I did throw one at uh, a Supercard of Honor uh, at you know WrestleMania week, and I was about six rows up on like the the one hundreds, like we you know the past the ringside, and yeah. it kind of did the same thing. It cleared the barrier, but kind of hit the side of the ring, so I'm pretty sure he did it on camera. <laughs> so I can understand that fear of like, you know, you, you start to, you know, wind up and you pull your arm back, you know, that rookie of the year by throw a fastball moment and then you just fucking shit the bed. And... <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Wait, can you pass on this podcast? That's some great insight into being at the show. For me, my highlights were in the pre-show. I thought Jeff Cobb was so charismatic. Wow. What, what a wrestler that bloke is. So obviously the first time that um, the former Grand Matalik was in Ring of Honor, and I thought that he did a decent job. Um, yeah. I absolutely loved the Keith Lee match. That was right up my street in terms of fun. So much fun in that match. Swerve being a bastard for the whole thing by not even giving him a fist bump at the start all the way through to walking out. Um, Shane Taylor being Shane Taylor and like somehow putting out all the things that he can do with the size that he is. Yeah. And then 
I wasn't too enamoured with his partner. He won me over a little by the end. And Keith Lee. I uh, know. I was going to say, we can talk about him catching Shane Taylor like Shane Taylor was a, a child. Yeah, was I was so... Absolutely oh, that insane. was insane. Yeah, that was... I was absolutely baffled. I've seen a lot of amazing things in wrestling, but yeah, that was that was astonishing. Yeah. Um, Editor Phil has privately and said that he thought it was bullshit that Shane Taylor lost that match two on one. Yeah, he said the same. He said mm. the same to me as well because I assumed the whole story of the thing was that Shane Taylor would pin Keith. I assumed that was going to be the whole story of the thing with Swerve yeah. walking out and all that. But yeah, AEW um, guys got a win on ROH pay per views, I guess. Yeah. The Keith Lee match. So not only is that a Texas thing a big deal, but like a lot of people are invested in that because of uh, the last thing that uh, Keith Lee did before he went to NXT is a promotion called DFW All Pro slash VIP Wrestling. That's a local kind of indie here. Shane Taylor turned on him and like dropped Keith Lee, and that was the last thing he did like indie wise before NXT. So that story's been building up. That's why when he said like you know we got a lot of unfinished business and stuff like that, and then JD Griffey, the guy who's a tag partner of Shane. Is also a local indie guy. Now, he didn't get through all of this stuff, but he won me over back in the day because he had a match with Gresham that he actually held pretty much his own with. And so uh, after the match, I think they told me, a lot of people online, that it didn't make TV, but the three of those guys got in the middle of the ring and they kind of like shook hands and took a big hug and everybody like stood up and cheered for that, of course, because they're all like local guys, you know? Yeah. But it is what it is. And the match itself, I absolutely loved. I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Just absolutely flew by. So many moments... Obviously, the highlight being that extra of uh, Shane Taylor out of nowhere. But yeah, love that match. Then obviously, the uh, dog collar match we spoke about uh, last week on the podcast, me and Brum, and I said that I wasn't entirely sure if they were going to be able to match previous two matches because dog collar matches, by and large, can be not the best matches in, in terms of star ratings. Yeah. They can be brutal and they can be aggressive, but not necessarily star ratings. But, well, <laughs> they fucking... Something so tells me this match will do quite well in the star ratings when uh, yeah. Dave puts the newsletter out this week. Um, something that I wanted to talk to you about, Sal, was that um, referee, is it is it Chris Turner? The one during the match that was um, busted that, um, bladed. He was like... Bladed? What hard. do you mean? What are you implying? <laughs> <laughs> hold on, hold on a minute here. <laughs> podcast is, is this some kind of like gotcha journalism, this podcast? What's going on here? <laughs> um, that was legitimately... Opened by the Briscoes, he was right by yeah. you, wasn't he? For like the whole well, time, uh, yeah. Like I said, I'm a kind of a procrastinator, and there's so many things going on that I'll, I'll put it up on your Twitter or I'll send it to your inbox so you can post it. But I got some good videos because he's like right in the corner when they're like you know uh, checking on with the black gloves and all that stuff, and he's just bleeding out of his mind, like, like yeah, he's engaged or something like that. But yeah, that match, I, I mean, like I, I didn't bring it up, but it's like it speaks for itself. It was. It's 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 uh you know I've been to a lot of GCW shows a lot of hardcore stuff but when you see something like that like but like combined with the element of like traditional pro wrestling it just seems like how do they finish this match and how do you just not like I'm going to be off work for the next month yeah. to recover from this because it was just insane to to see all that up close yeah Caprice Coleman pointed out when <laughs> when Dax started the match his trunks were white and they were not white for <laughs> <at> the end. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's the go-to move. I was in a situation like I'm definitely wearing my white gear, my white shirt. For that match, for sure. Yeah, absolutely oh, yeah. brutal match. And one that um, I'm a little bit surprised that some entries to the Wrestling Should Be Fun Awards, there hasn't been any one that said that. I thought recency bias might let um, people go with that for match of the year, but they have had lots of votes for either one or two in the uh, trio of matches. But I think it stands up with the other two. 
I was just about to say, yeah. Ross, I was on the verge of um, messaging you after I watched it to, to change my vote for match of the year. I wrote <laughs> Honestly. And I loved the first one. The second one was good. I didn't think it was as good as the first one, but they were both really good. And I thought this third one was... I've never seen a match like that. I really haven't. Just because yeah. it was the tag team aspect combined with the dog collar and then obviously two fantastic teams and then the crowd was into it. I thought it was just the perfect storm and I thought it was absolutely tremendous. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that, that, that's a pretty good analysis of it. The first one I was at and it was really, I mean, you know, everyone was excited for it because, you know, the build up on Twitter where they're kind of like talking around it finally happening and then when you're there, like it had the proper like crowd reaction where it's not like too over the top, like old school NXT crowds or it's not, it didn't feel like too indie where like the crowd's trying to be too into it. It felt like a genuine like, you know, let's, you know, we're excited for this. The second one, I think, suffered only because of the fact that it was like that first Ring of Honor show. And it felt like that show had a weird kind of flow to it. I mean, if yeah. you like Ring of Honor, if you just like wrestling, you're into it regardless. But there was like a little bit lost because the show was so long, maybe. And maybe the placement of, of everything. But then the third one, I mean, it was just, like you said, unbelievable. And it's just, like you said, about it's hard to, I guess, book a, a dog collar match. But when you're watching, you know, four guys and they're trying to, you know, walk over the top rope and go to the outside, but also like take care of the chain and like movement oh. and not like, you know, just the little things like that and how dangerous and all the things they were doing. It was just like this fine art. If I could, you know, yeah. put it in yeah. one, one little phrase, you know. And the main event was a lot of fun and the finish caused a lot of uh, furore on Twitter, obviously, because nothing is allowed to just be fun and positive. On <laughs> right. Your intellect is as weak as your dollar. Failure is your destiny. You disrespect yourself and your nation. You are made of stupid. <laughs> well, Chris Jericho um, liked the finish. <laughs> Chris Jericho loved My I God. loved him sticking out for himself on Twitter about talking, you know, people were talking bad about the finish and him coming back and, you know, giving them the old snapback on Twitter and stuff. That was pretty funny stuff. I also just, just love the fact that like in doing that finish, they're putting importance on that move rather than it just being like a thing to pop the crowd. Like yeah, it's, yeah. it's actually like it actually tells people like no actually like it does actually fuck you up. And that's good, right? You want from wrestling. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, I think at the time I uh I hated the finish, but the more and more I thought about it, I'm like if it was real, being in that move must be absolutely horrendous. <laughs> yeah, like, like that could win a match. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I like also it's also it's pretty cool that like it kind of tells the audience that um, Jericho is un- is under the impression that Cesaro could do this to him all fucking day, and he just had to tap out. Oh, I I, yeah. I wouldn't bet against that to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it felt like he could have done it forever and ever, and that eventually what would have happened. And I like how you said it really put the move over, so it could be used as a possible finisher. But I liked uh, one tweet was like something along the lines like, you know, when when your mom leaves to go to the store and tells you and your brother to behave and that's what you do. So that put me in the mindset of like <laughs> I had an older brother that used to kind of like, you know, not like beat me up, you know, beat me up. just like in, in the good brother way, you know, like, you know, all in good fun. And then he used to do something kind of similar, not like a swing, but he'd do this leg thing. He'd just twist my ankle over and over and I'd have to roll with it to keep the pain from happening. And eventually yeah, yeah. you just go, say, you know, say uncle, say uncle. And you go, uncle, uncle, <laughs> and he'll let you go. So I was like, well, it's a similar situation. If you're spinning around, it's like, well, this is terrible. Well, there's one way out. Please just tell them to stop, you know? So it kind of all makes sense when you think about it logically. Yeah, massively, massively. And you also went to AEW and SmackDown this week? Is that right? Uh, yeah, I went to, yeah, I went to Austin, uh, Austin <laughs> Massachusetts last uh, Wednesday, which is like about a three-hour drive south of Dallas where I'm at. 
so I did, you know, like obviously Rampage and Dynamite, and then you know Ring of Honor was in outside of Dallas and Arlington. It's actually right there by where the uh, Cowboys Stadium is. Was uh, close by college is like where they do their basketball games the arena kind yep. of thing set up. Nice. We spoke about Dynamite show last week, but just like what we were to experience as a fan in the crowd for that show. So uh, we made a uh, made good time, right? So Mike, he kind of works from home now. Uh, Mike Beltran, not yeah, yep. a fan of the show. Friend of the show, so I drove down this time because he was basically on his laptop on his uh working like you know from home quote unquote, and so yeah. I was kind of getting down there early and all that good stuff, and so I bought a Dan House meet and greet, and then I showed up like two minutes when they cut off the time to let you in for it, so I totally didn't get to meet Dan House, and so it started off bad, but it kind of was cool because by the end of it, at the end of Dynamite, in that little in between time between that and Rampage, John Moxley uh, was it was having his match right. And so, you yeah. know, how they start off with uh, usually, like, you know, already in the ring, they ring the bell, and they start wrestling. So we got their entrance live. And so I have to go to the bathroom, and I was just standing there by the concession stand, wandering around like I always do. And there's John Moxley <laughs> just doing his whole yoga routine, like, right there, like, three feet from me and stuff. So I'm, like, you know, filming that like a nerd and everything. And then when his music hits, and then when his music hits, and he rocks through the curtain, I, like, take off. And, you know, I, I'm not the most nimble guy, but, you know, I'm, I'm, I hit a pretty good pace. And so I'm running back to my seat, and as soon as I run down the steps and look up, there's John Moxley, you know, at part of the you know, the, entr- the entrance, standing like you saw the video online, like one foot away from me. We're just standing face to face. Yeah, yeah. So it. at this, and so at this point, I don't know if you saw it on uh, online during the show, is that I had one of those uh, infamous Jake Hager purple hats, right? Yes. So I'm wearing yeah, the purple hat. I'm wearing the purple hat at this point. And John Moxley's doing his thing where he's facing me, we're like face to face, and he's putting his hands up, getting the ad- adulation of the crowd as he does. Then he turns around to stand there and pose again. Now, uh, you've probably seen him on uh, TV, one of the security guards. He's a, a black gentleman, bald head, little yeah, yeah, yeah. mustache situation. So I met him at, at, uh, at Ring of Honor. His name is Dave. <laughs> so if you watch the video, and, and then uh, we added each other online because right, he, uh, he wanted the picture of the video, he gives me this death stare at first because, you know, I'm like right by John Mike. So it's like a flight or flight response to this purple hatted gentleman, you know? <laughs> and so I look at him and I mouth like real like, directly i was like i'm going to put the hat on john moxley <laughs> and then he kind of gives me a dirty look and but then he kind of laughs and goes please don't do that you know <laughs> so i, I don't know if you, you know there's no way to see it because it wasn't on tv but i started to pick that up and like you know kind of do the whoa and then he starts to walk away and i kind of pull it back and it's like it's probably my best interest because i don't want to end up like that one fan uh with CM Punk, we just turns and gives him like a Judas effect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah I don't. I mean, it'd be a good story. I could sit there and sell it, you know, and go like, "I want, oh my God, brain injury, bring up the ten, Tony Khan, I want lifetime tickets," you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> kind of thought the better of it. Your mate Dave has, def- has definitely saves you there, mate, because especially <laughs> it, like uh, Moxley in character is so anti sports mm-hmm. entertainment, right? And you're basically. Being a purple bucket right. hat on his head, <laughs> like you, like right. he would have killed you. He would have killed yeah, you. Could, yeah, I could have been standing like full on, like haircut. You know, John Moxley cosplay, the jacket, the the title. Had a girl who looked like Renee to stand next to me. He still would have elbowed me. You know what I mean? In the moment. <laughs> but oh, uh, yeah, so so I saw you know Dave, that security guard at the Ring of Honor show. You know this after the fact on the you know, the the pay per view. He was out front doing his security thing, like pre-show. And I was like, I don't know if you remember me. I'm that guy who tried to put the purple hat on my thing. He's like, oh, no. He's like, my friend sent me the picture of the looks I was giving you. And so, you know, we kind of chat- <laughs> chatted it up. And he added me on that. And that's why I posted on Instagram. It's like, you know, we made up. Me and Dave are cool now. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, and that's, of course, I, it's pop. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was just saying that that's just like amazing story, man. A big reason why why we wanted you on the podcast this week. Like, it's not necessarily like the power of positivity, but like, there's a certain flow to the universe. And if you kind of like, I don't know, submit to it, things just kind of like weirdly come into your path, like moments like that. It's kind of like uh, like when, uh, so in relation to that, you know, the main event of Rampage, just coming out of my chair. Uh, phrasing? When Trent Seven hit, because that was a complete surprise. And a, yeah, you know, yeah. my little run in with him at WrestleMania <laughs> years and years ago. And then uh, Rob at one of the shows, I guess, that, you know, progress, as we say in America, or progress, as you say over there. <laughs> <laughs> I said progress wrestling for a long time in my life, and I was ashamed of myself, you know? So, you know I'm, an I'm an American, I'm learning. I've only, you know, culture-wise been experienced to a little bit of Portsmouth and, and, uh, and uh, you know, based on the movie Snatch, so I'm learning. Right? <laughs> I love it. But well, I, I totally came out of my chair when, like, he, like, oh, you know, Trent Savage, <laughs> you know? I'm I know, fucking silver hair and everything. He looked awesome. What was the crowd reaction to him at the start and then by the end? Was it a case of he had to win people over or was he able yeah, to uh, like? Well, like me, there was like a pocket of people around me that kind of popped at the same time, kind of knew who Trent Seven was and stuff like that. And there was a couple of people next to me. They were like, who is this guy? And I was like, you know, that indie nerd at a wrestling show whispering here. Well, actually, <laughs> back in, you know, in progress, he had a mustache mountain and he had a big, strong boyfriend. And, you know, not boyfriend, but a boy, you know, a comma friend. <laughs> and so I kind of like it gave him the history of, uh, you know, British wrestling and, and, you know, a 20 second wrap up before the match started. But as <laughs> I it went it. along, you can kind of hear like, you know, people get along and by the end, you know, a lot of people came around. But there was this one guy, he was trying to call him like a, he was trying to get a chant going because he was drunk and he was like, being one of those like, you know, I want to antagonize the show thing. Or he, it was kind of funny, but at the same time, it's like, that's Trent Seven, you better shut up. So he was basically calling like a, a shit Aquaman. <laughs> 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 just because of the hair i guess the look i don't know he kind of looked like momoa whatever his name is jason right momoa i'm assuming and i'm assuming that that chant didn't catch on oh he was the only person doing it by himself of course. <laughs> i've been there at shows i've been there yeah well, it kind of reminds me back uh, sorry it kind of reminds me back around the ring of honor show now i was kind of like ashamed in a way because when i turned around to see who it was i wasn't sure but it was this guy i think who was wearing a phoenix suns jersey and i'm a phoenix suns guy and it's dallas and Phoenix Suns is sent to the topic in Dallas and all that. But during the main event, this guy, because I was looking forward, obviously, started to try to start a CM Punk chant, and it got booed immediately. <laughs> and so that was like one of those guys trying to like be an asshole. But in his defense, I did have a sign that said, you know, cue the AFI song in case he did come out. <laughs> so I kind of like I kind of like picked that sign up and like flashed it towards him to say you know I'm with you brother but you know now is not the time it's a good show right but I'm pretty sure as JCH probably told you like my CM Punk fandom you know it knows no bounds it goes well beyond everything <laughs> yeah big time and then SmackDown what we saw um, highlights from the SmackDown show uh, the SmackDown show I mean Kurt Angle okay before my <laughs> Ring fandom came around it was like Shawn Michaels was my number one dude for a while and then. When Kurt Angle came around, like I reorganized my list, you know, top five list where Kurt Angle was at the top because, you know, that Kurt Angle, Shawn Michaels match. Oh my God. Like I, I've never been torn so torn in my life. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> anywho, the fact he was getting a celebration, I mean, I'm like losing my mind because I love Kurt Angle. And, you know, he had this little post on Instagram where he was like, what to wear to the birthday party. He was going through his different, you know, you know, like the, the sexy Kurt, the I'll make you tap out Kurt, and like, all the different versions of Kurt. But so I was already geek for that. And then just the whole setup. I don't know. WWE isn't necessarily like the best wrestling show, I guess, that people still say. But like the way it's formatted now, 
Like it is the best version of its own self. It feels like, yeah, because everything yeah. has everything has a purpose. It feels, and there's really good long matches now. Yeah, the, the um, uh, Sheamus and Pete Dunn match was fantastic, right? Oh man, yeah. And see, like a lot of people hated on the Butch name, but it's like as long as you allow him to be Pizza. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Shout out to James for that. You know, when I first got exposed to Mustache Mountain, you know, this chant, Pizza. <laughs> yeah, I can hear James saying it right now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just sitting there holding the fight, you're like, Pizza. <laughs> oh man, yeah. So that match was great. The LA Knight stuff is it's come on slowly, but it's so good. Just adding little layer and layer and showing. Here's all the here's all the footage, dummies. Look at the screen. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah, it's great. Who was the most over at the show, would you say, with the crowd? Yeah, yeah, it really is. I'm, I'm glad he's getting a, a good platform because, I mean, he's kind of built, like, from the start of his, like, him getting exposed to, like, national television. He's totally built for, like, the WWE style, the promo. I mean, he's he's gold. He should totally be, like, a top guy at some point here in the, in the next year or so, uh, hopefully. Yeah, as someone who watched NWA Power when it was good, I'm absolutely <laughs> loving seeing. So then if you watch Power and it's heyday, can we agree that Into the Fire is like one of the greatest songs of all time? No question. How good is that song? <laughs> Uh, when I go to uh, Mike, you know, I think you are aware and might have heard of that he uh, DJs, right, is a side gig. And yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. DJs at, at the arcade called Free Play in Arlington every Friday night. Plug, 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 brother. Um, <laughs> but if I'm there, because I don't go all the time, he'll sneak in some wrestling songs and stuff. He'll always play Into the Fire. Oh, amazing. <laughs> And does it fill the crowd? Uh, kind of. I mean, like, my musical <laughs> taste is usually, like, either, like, some song from an 80s movie or a yeah. wrestling theme or just kind of misplaced music. Because, like, uh, mainstream music and, you know, Montel Jordan, this is how we do it. A Baby Got Back, that doesn't do it for me. But, like... <laughs> this is how we do it. What a reference. <laughs> uh, you know, like... <laughs> Yeah, it's the same songs they play at every kind of karaoke kind of thing that every kind of oh, yeah. gets into. And it's like, I've already heard it a thousand times. And... <laughs> so, uh, the, like, the only mainstream stuff I really uh, go for is music-wise is Taylor Swift. Shout out to JCH there, too, also. You're a Swifty. <laughs> You're a Swifty. Fair enough, man. Josh, you wanted to quickly talk about NXT and how much you loved it. Yeah, because I, I think I've been on the pod state in how much I love NXT Black and Gold and how much I detested NXT 2.0. But I feel like they've got a, a really good middle ground at the moment. And I absolutely love this show. I thought every match was pretty good. The Iron Survivor Challenge, I think, obviously, last time I was on the pod, I had absolutely no idea what the rules were before it. I was so confused. Even when the ring announcer woman was reading them out, I was still confused. But the match itself to watch was actually like, really good i thought the, the format's actually good i quite like it and they did some creative things in there with the men's one where was it grace and waller pinned two people pretty much straight away I yeah because i feel great, like yeah. with some matches and the example that i bring up is do you remember when brock lesnar won the money in the bank and mustafa ali is just sat there like in shock yeah if yeah. it was real yeah. 
he'd climb up and just grab the briefcase before Brock got to him, wouldn't he? Yeah. So yeah. Bringing it back to this match, I really like how Grayson Waller was like the chicken shit and was running away from everyone as the seconds ticked down. Yeah, that thought, was great. Like, in real life, <laughs> that's what you would do. You would do that sort of shit. And then, of course, they used the classic lower third thing at the end of the show to do the uh, attack on Braun at the end. So, so yeah, yeah I, I really like this show. Yeah, um, I'm a big fan of that Iron Survivor thing as well. And I think it's something that will probably translate over to the main roster in the next few years um, once they iron out exactly the right format for it. Um, because yeah. Yeah, it's fun, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, totally agree. And then the New Day are NXT Tag Team Champions, which oh. I did not have on my prediction list at the start of the year. Yes, that match was fantastic. The promo on last night's show was not, if you saw it. Uh, I heard about it. I, I read it. I didn't actually watch it. And I read it and I was like, that really happened? <laughs> it, so for people that I didn't watch, Pretty Deadly came out and were like, we want our rematch. And for some reason, New Day were like, well, England are out of the World Cup and, and you lost your titles, so you must be feeling really bad. But now you live in America, so if you can... Pledge Allegiance, tell the flag, then we'll give you the rematch. What a little thing to say for you guys. <laughs> and, the, and the commentators were like, well, that seems like a reasonable thing to do. <laughs> it's right up there with uh, when Cody was trying to be Captain America in the go-go feud for me. No, sir, I don't like it. Yes, yeah. Like, I don't know, like, some people that were on Twitter when we put up of like, oh, this comes across very proud boys, which is weird for a for a face team. Um, yeah. We're like, you wouldn't understand because you're not American. I'm just like, <laughs> well, clearly not, because it comes across like real douchebag thing to do to someone. Yeah. But yeah, it is what it is. But the match itself was fantastic, wasn't it? Yeah, really good. Really good. Did you want to talk about the main event of NXT this week, Ross? Yes. Well, the main event of this of uh, NXT Ooh. this week saw Roxanne Perez, massive fan of since her Ring of Honor days, who is still only twenty-one years old, who has managed to become the NXT Women's Champion um, after winning the Iron Survivor match last week. There was a lot of speculation about why that happened so soon, and a bit of breaking <laughs> news. We've just heard, oh, yeah, <laughs> we've just heard that Matt Rose has been released by the WWE for having an OnlyFans, which which is absolute okay. bullshit. I think it's absolute bullshit that that's happened. It's particularly bullshit her coming off the run of her absolute career and like one of the best women's title reigns in WWE for a while, I'll be honest. I know obviously people have their views on Mandy Rose, but I feel like she's really proved herself going down to NXT, wrestled countless people and had some pretty decent matches along the way as well. And now this has happened and yeah, it really sucks. This is a company who openly had people pose for Playboy back in the day, for example. So... Yeah, exactly. And let's be honest, they probably took a cut of those deals. And that's exactly the reason that they're pissed off, that they're not getting a cut from this deal. That is going to be the reason. They can say what they want. The reason is about the morality of it. But the reason is going to be the fact that he's making money off the back of being famous through WWE and making money off it somewhere else through it. And they don't like it. Yeah, the thing I saw initially about like OnlyFans or any kind of like YouTube thing is that they were basically in it like every wrestler who has a downside guarantee for money, if what they made outside the WWE was higher than the downside guarantee, that that money would replace that money. So in essence, WWE's paying them quote unquote nothing in a way. 
Yeah. So it's like a, a subsidized thing, and that was the way to kind of keep everybody from going to AEW in the first place. Because if I had the name, I'd go to like AEW or Impact. I have a lighter schedule, make all the money off YouTube or whatever it is I was doing, and still have the freedom to kind of come and go as I please. Yeah. But uh, with, as you were saying, uh, to echo, Manny Rose, that was a run, dude. Like initially when I was looking at your voting, which, you know, I procrastinate and still been pushing off. Let's just say, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Bianca Belair is probably the obvious choice for female of the year, whatever you want to call it. But I'm going to vote for Mae Rose because, like, she had, like, this John Cena-type run, like, as a heel, though, where she faced all these great in-ring people. And, like, you hated the fact that she was being all these, like, NXT awesome people just, you know, month after month. and month. But it was, like, entertaining, and she carried herself like a champion. And, like, you kind of hated her, but you kind of, like, respected her more and more with yeah. every win she was doing. So, so to see it to come down to, like, something like this, as silly as this, is kind of, like, a, a little disheartening, but it kind of feels like maybe that's the company's way of going, like, sure, you can, you know, go on YouTube. You can go on wherever you want. You can sell your shoes on eBay, but don't you step out of line. You know what I mean? Yeah, kind of yeah, exactly. Like, like she's so, made yeah. an example of. Well, all that they've done now is basically they've handed AEW a piece of gold, right? Mm-hmm. Like, not only is she a champion for the last 14 months, or whether it is, She'll be on AEW TV basically as someone that WWE has fucked over, and that's perfect for that audience, isn't it? We love that shit. They'll lap that shit up. It's like when they said yeah. that um, NXT trained Adam Cole to go to the main roster on AEW. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's, it's the exact same. Yeah, yeah. yeah she yeah. Rose and come out and say, I guess I'm the girl who's too hot for TV or you know, something like that. So she can either <laughs> go face or heel, depending on, I guess, the reaction of a live crowd over there, you know? Yeah, for sure. And who knows what will happen Obviously, things change really fast in wrestling. Like, she could be a surprise entrant in the Rumble and win. Who the fuck knows? Can we just touch on the uh, the spot in the match with uh, Pretty Deadly and New Day of the four-way Eddie Guerrero moment there? Oh, so oh. <laughs> <Sick> genius. <laughs> you know, I, I, like, stood up and like, just walked around my apartment a little bit with my hands on my hips. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I did, like, I didn't overreact. I didn't underreact. I was just like, man, this is this is just great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, if... um. If wrestling should be fun, but to match, that would have been in it. <laughs> exactly. That's the first thing I thought about was you guys. It's like, you know, people like this are like, uh, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with Simon Miller, like people that think of yeah, like, yeah. like you want, you want the graps and you want, you know, the UK style and strong style. But if you can mix that with a little bit of silly, man, that's just like, that's just like chef's kiss. Great. You know what I mean? Absolutely, mate. Couldn't say yes to all of that anymore, <laughs> mate. Yes. <laughs> Josh, was there anything else from NXT that you wanted to chat? Um, I think we just about covered it, really. I'm kind of just a bit bummed by this Mandy Rose thing, just when everything's going great. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a shame, isn't it, really? Yeah. That's one last time. And our flowers to Mandy Rose for that um, rain that she had. Fair play. Brilliant oh, stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Also, also, what a V-trigger she's got. Ooh, wow. <laughs> yeah. She does not yeah, mess maybe, about maybe. with that. Wow. Yeah, maybe Kenny isn't so Omega, you know what I mean? Like, anybody can do it. <laughs> See, that, that could be my that, that could be the bitterness of me being a senior punk fan, but you know I digress. <laughs> Maybe it, it can be settled with Street Fighter on a pole match, and the winner gets to keep the V trigger. They'll do it at the like the fighter the was it the uh, the fighter fest the gaming thing they do. They'll have that. Yes. Love be it. The first yeah. intergender match: Mandy Rose versus Kenny Omega. <laughs> <laughs> so that was what the nerds are watching. So we'll move over to the round table, which we've got soon from Editor Phil.
So I'm going to read out the question and also a few answers that we had from Twitter. And then once you've heard some, then you can give your answer to the, at the end as well. So the question that Phil has asked for the roundtable is, if you could change the result of any wrestling match, what would it be? And we've had lots of replies on Twitter. Um, so I'm going to give some of the replies from Twitter and then I'll ask you guys to kind of say how you would have rebooked it. Yeah. So we'll start with Easley91, who is Alex. He says McIntyre versus Reigns at Clash at the Castle. Ooh. I feel like, I don't know, obviously Ross will be able to relate to this a bit more. Is that our British bias, do you think, Ross? I think so, but also that crowd. I feel like, I feel like there's like... been a moment to do it, to end the Roman Reigns run. That was the moment so far. I don't think there's been another match where I thought it was time, other than that one, across his whole title run, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. I feel like if they were going to do it, it would have been an audible. Like, we've got to do it because this crowd is hot. Yeah. Um, and then potentially they would have had it like be a short reign and Reigns wins it back rather than keep it on McIntyre because Reigns is just gold at the moment. Yeah. Um, but hey, we've got broken dreams at least. But I can understand why he didn't win it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah but yeah, having been there... was a nice touch. Oh, yeah. great, great touch. Having been there, the pop would have been unreal because that because that crowd was electric all night. Yeah. Um, next up, we've got our man Tate Mayfair's. <laughs> this was amazing. <laughs> so Tate Mayfair's is a wrestler at Progress, and he says that he should have won the MPS against Ricky Knight Jr. He should um, have as well. Cost me pick and point. <laughs> So the storyline um, going into going out of this match, uh, so just a heads up, he blamed the host of progress, which is your boy Simon Miller. So it looks like we <laughs> might be getting a Simon Miller Tate Mayfair's match out of it. So again, I love Tate Mayfair's, but I think it's better booking because they've booked a match out of it. I think that they did the right thing. Sorry, Tate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to get better caught up with progress. Because I've watched, like, I try to watch Impact. I have the Independent Wrestling Network. I have New Japan. You know, I try to watch NXT. I try to watch everything. And like I said, with my scatterbrain, I kind of everything kind of blends oh, mate, together. Like, you're doing an incredible job of watching lots of wrestling. Don't feel bad about not watching progress. <laughs> but, but it has but every been time a- I do, I feel bad that I don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Like, I just started watching when they tried to put it on the network. You know, like, they were putting up the, oh, the, uh, with the chapters a little afterwards. With, when Miller yeah, because that was... That was the pandemic era where there was no crowd. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The, so what was the, the last time I watched? It was a uh, uh, Dragonoff was in a world title match. I can't remember with who now. Was that Caranoir? Uh, yeah, I think so. Yeah, that match was good. That was a good match. Yeah. Next up, we got Ron Thriller, who says, "You think Kofi is sick of seeing this same tweet circulate every year?" <laughs> <laughs> I'm assuming is around his loss to Brock Lesnar in seven seconds I mean I don't think yeah. you even need to change the result you just need to change the fact that the match was seven fucking seconds <laughs> yeah yeah it was a bit of a sickener to end his reign I like that wasn't it after such a feel good moment yeah. I, like, I, mean, I can't remember off the top of my head now was Brock still like heel Brock then he yeah, was Brock. So, yeah so obviously the big thing was Brock never wrestles on TV 
And this was obviously the first SmackDown on Fox. They had the Rock open the yeah. show, yada, yada. Yeah. So we kind of sh- probably should have known there was something going to be up. But then it was all done to fucking set up Brock and Kane Velasquez, which was fucking oh, yeah. horrendous. Yeah. He's back out of, uh, he's been released from uh, prison now. So I think he's yeah, that guy has been, AAA again. Yeah. That's the situation and a half to read up on everyone who's listening to this. So, yeah. Next up, we've got Vintage Sick, who is Yogi Bryant. He says, Brock ending the streak. Ooh. Ooh. I'm, not, I'm okay with it. It was weird at the moment. I remember I was at my friend's house, and we were kind of just paying attention to pay-per-view, and kind of, he kind of was zoning out playing on his phone, and, you know, it happened. I'm just like, dude, he just lost. Oh, my God. You know, like, <laughs> but, but, I mean, he's a guy to do it. I'd rather Phil had done it, of course. Because you know he deserved it. Because oh. he's, he's, he's the best in the world. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> he's not elite though. <laughs> ah! Oh, I'm gonna come across the pond, and we're gonna have to have words about this at some point. Hey, I, I own a CM Punk shirt, and I own a um, I own a, I'm a big fan of the Young Bucks as well. So yeah, that's the problem with me because like you know, there's a picture of me in Chicago in the uh, in the airport on the way back, and I read I'm wearing my uh, best in the world shirt, my Chicago Cubs hat, and I'm reading the Young Bucks book. <laughs> so if Sal is going with Punk as his preferred option in this situation who would you have broken the streak if it wasn't Brock um oh that's a tricky one because my thing with this has been like I, I'll put a, a thing out there The Undertaker's my favourite wrestler of all time and I've always been of the opinion that he should have lost to Brock Lesnar and then ended his career and I will die on that hill because I think we yeah, like at that point, obviously the Undertaker was a part-timer, and I feel like what Brock Lesnar's become since, when he's like become one of the few attractions WWE have, in the sense that every time he wrestles, every time he appears, it's a big deal. Kind of like where Roman Reigns is now. The thing for me is that whoever it was that was going to break it, they had to run with the ball. Like it yeah, couldn't yeah. be someone that was going to a year later be back in the mid card or something like. Because didn't yeah. he beat he he had the SummerSlam match with Cena that same year, didn't he? I think he did, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that, like you said, they definitely ran with it, didn't they? Yeah, and certainly did a, did a great job afterwards. And, like, the moment was amazing. Like, the reactions were amazing. The guy in the crowd, Heyman's reaction, I think it worked. But yeah. if I had to, I would probably say that the best way to have done it would have been beat Brock, but then he loses that match to Roman, as he did in that match. And then he yeah. lays down his gloves and his hat. Yeah. Mania farewell. I think there was a rumor for a while before, even before he faced Punk, that uh, he was pitching the idea at the time. Taker himself was talking about uh, he wanted like Kurt Angle to do it. Like, in, oh wow, uh, he was that, Israel. Uh, I can't yeah, that was in his so book was, or if it was in a book or something like that. Yeah, so was, I I had that story. They had the match at it was two thousand and six. It was like no they vengeance. I think, right? They wanted it to be at Mania, and yeah, they wanted it to be for the world title, and Taker wanted Kurt to win. It was like leading right into Mania. I think that was the one where uh, Taker ended up powerbombing like both of or one of Kurt Angle's like closely looking younger brothers. Yeah, like, he came from under the ring and he powerbombed and bit him. And the referee's like, "That's not Kurt. That's not Kurt." That's <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Eric Angle, brother Eric. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. There you go. Talking of Kurt Angle, a match that might be one of yours at the end could well be the uh, Baron Corbin match. Ooh. Oh. Next up, we've got Let's Go Tigers 21, who is Adam Kleist. He says Luger and Yoko at SummerSlam 93. 
Or maybe just don't act like he won when he didn't win. So for me, that is a no-brainer. Like, that was weird finish, <laughs> wasn't it? <laughs> I'm completely 100% with you on that one. Luger could have easily been champion going into um, Survivor Series in 93. Next up, we've got Marky Heenan. He says, Ravishing Rip Rude getting beaten by the Ultimate Warrior for the WWE Championship in a steel cage match at SummerSlam 90. Mr. Perfect should have come out and helped Rip Rude become champion. Yeah, I feel like Rude's one of those guys who, you know, when you do that list of people who were never world champion but should have, I feel like he's always that one who's right up there in everyone's list. So, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yeah, there's like a like a list of like I guess like those uh, intercontinental title heel bad guy like you know Mr. Perfect, Rick Rude, anybody basically at that level. You know, you even say Million Dollar Man in a way. Like there's so many like good like bad guys like at least could have had. I mean, if there was like a for, uh, pay-per-view format like we have now, probably where there's one every month, you could totally throw them in there and have them run from like post SummerSlam to Survivor Series and whoever good guy at the moment could totally you know won the title off of them or something, but. I guess it's just a sign of the times, but there's so many good like mid-card heels, like the Razor Ramones and stuff that totally should have been a world champion at some point. Yeah, definitely. Next up, we have Strudel Claws with a pick that I fully am behind. Asuka should have beaten Charlotte at WrestleMania 30. Yep, round of applause for me for that one. That's when I hear this this thing of what result you change, I usually have a couple and that's one of the other two that I have. So yeah, totally agree mm-hmm. with that. First woman's rumble winner and she goes on and loses. Cool. <laughs> yeah, especially at the time the timing of it all, of her having the crazy run at NXT. She was an easily likable good guy. And just, I don't know, it was just kind of weird that they wouldn't do that. But you know, I guess the uh, silver lining, you know, Fast forward to now, all the uh, hinting to turning back into Kana. Yes. You know, <laughs> that's going to be pretty good. You know, like once that happens, you know, like last uh, last match against Rhea when she came out and she didn't have all her normal face paint on. She had that deadpan look on her face. She's on a losing streak. So now, you know, it's one of those you have to F around and turn you back into the old me situation. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm excited for the fact that she's going to have a bit of a hiatus because it means that people can get excited for her coming back and it also means that someone like Candice can take a spot but elevate her for a bit next up we've got Ricardo Andre says don't forget his hangman at double or nothing just to see if the drama that came after <laughs> that point could, could have been um, stopped so I'll leave this one to you mate don't you ever <laughs> <laughs> and the rock means ever <laughs> <laughs> CM Punk should be booked to never lose again, and he should never lose ever. But I guess in retrospect now, it would have made sense. But uh, I remember, I'll uh, send a link to you guys on the inbox. There was a guy on Reddit who like put all these little pieces together leading up to the scrum that was like basically saying that CM Punk was going to turn heel long term, and like the Hangman thing was a big part of it. Like it seemed like it's all going to be a plan because the whole thing is the greatest work of all time since the Montreal Screwjob. I said what I said. Aliens are real, UFOs are real, and Punk's coming back, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Love it. So, uh, so in retrospect, maybe yes, but at the time, I don't think that people hated Punk enough at the time that it wouldn't it wouldn't have got the satisfaction for like you know the crowd or whatever, like it would now. So maybe I'm mean, so even as a Punk fan, I'd say maybe not, but who knows? You know, if it was leading to all this and Punk never got hurt, who knows? You know, like that could be a good jumping off point. You know, Punk could have went away and did his little "I'm Oscar now I'm angry Phil now." And he just comes out and says, <laughs> "CM Punk," and it says, 
Angry Phil. Like, you know, he changes the full name changes. Angry Phil. I'm, I'm for it. <laughs> well, we've got Big Bill in AEW now, so. <laughs> Simplicity is sometimes where it's at. <laughs> Next up, we've got, well, there were several people that put this as their answer. It seems a very popular choice. Fox Barkley, he says, Booker needed to beat Triple H. Yes, I was yeah, going to bring that up is, again if no one did. This is my, 100%. that's my number one when, as soon as I saw this question. Yeah, that's yeah. the one, basically. If you know people who know the storyline going into it and the fact that Triple H cut, like one of the most outrageous promos I think I've ever heard. And <laughs> yeah. for those of you who are podcast fans, obviously, go and listen to the Something to Wrestle With Bruce Pritchard podcast where yeah, Conrad yeah, takes to Bruce one. to town because Bruce is adamant that Triple H should have won this feud. It's one of the best podcasts I've ever listened to because Conrad absolutely hammers Bruce for it. And rightfully so, because you can't be flat out racist as Triple H's character, keyword being character, was in that feud. And then the finish as well, or the fact that he hit the pedigree and then pinned him half an hour later was yeah it was horrible it was absolutely horrendous to Booker yeah so do you think where do you think Booker would have gone as champion do you think he would have been a long term or a I mean in that era from what 02 to 05 I feel like there was a couple obviously we have it with Shawn Michaels and with Randy where people beat Triple H then Triple H won it straight back so I feel like more than likely in the real world Booker would have held it till literally the next pay-per-view and lost it again. But even still, you give someone like Booker T a WrestleMania win over Triple H. And that's like, I mean, he's a Hall of Famer anyway, and he probably would have been regardless. But that's like a career highlight for most people. Yeah. Yeah. And he's a former five-time, five-time, (laughs) five-time. Oh, (laughs) five-time. One, two, three, four, five. Yeah. um, For me, I remember that. Not only do I remember the moments, but I remember I was. I was in the Navy at the time. You know, thank you for your service. Um, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and uh, there was a sports bar called Sneakers in Jacksonville, Florida. It was basically like a version of like Hooters, except instead of like, you know, the white and orange gimmick, they wore like kind of like cheerleader outfits. They're all like cheerleaders running around and stuff. Okay. So this, like, place so- this, this place sold out like Madison Square Garden. Like they're staying room only. It's on a payment. Like, <laughs> they had like these backyard wrestling kids that would sit at this little corner mafia table and they would do a pre-match. Basically, they just start doing frog splashes in Nova restaurant. It was nuts, this place. <laughs> So, like, they cheer in this place, like, you know, you're watching it live. So, like, people were just losing their minds in that, in that moment. I remember, what's uh, what's the name of the Harlem Hangover, that uh, top rope? Uh, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Summer, summer, yeah. Summer, the somersault leg drop. When he hit that and that it ended, like, the air came out of the building. And, like, I just remember thinking, like, why didn't they give this to him? And I, I had my uh, tell me he didn't just say that shirt on. Yeah. And I, was, I was ready for it. And, like, turns out that King Booker, you know, King Booker is even better. <laughs> So, you know, he got his flowers in a way. But at that moment, like, it was a, it was a time for, like, a, a new good guy. Like, you know, he has the charisma. He can talk. He doesn't need to be that good in the ring. But he shows he can. He can do it all. And it would have been something new at the time. So they kind of yeah, it was on it. But, in yeah. a way, um, similar to what we were talking about with Asuka and Charlotte, where Charlotte was yeah. kind of just winning, like, winning all the time against people that she shouldn't be winning against necessarily. That kind of thing yeah. with Triple H at the time, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a perfect storm, perfect timing for both to happen. And then, I mean, I'm per- I, I, I'm pretty sure maybe, you know, Triple H gets a bad rep for, you know, his booking, I guess, or, you know, at the time. But I imagine both of them would have been like, it's totally fine if, you know, the other dude goes over or whatever because of the timing and the moment in WrestleMania. But I don't know, maybe there was some kind of politics with it. But uh, yeah, Booker possibly. T did say at one point, it's like, 
I did lose that match. He said, with the payday I got from main eventing with Triple H, <laughs> like, like basically set me up for the rest of my life. I, 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 I could have stopped wrestling after that, is what he said. <laughs> and yeah, fair play. That's the Kevin Nash man. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, we've got Elixir Phil. Uh, he's cheated slightly by picking two, but we love the bloke, so let's let him have two. First up, he's got Andre beats Hogan at WrestleMania 3. Ooh. Ooh. That's a fascinating one. It really is. Because, again, I think it's like we've said. Hulk Hogan could just win the title right back, can he? Yeah. Well, yeah, but, at the, but at the time, it's like, really. like SummerSlam, you know? Yeah. yeah. It's like SummerSlam, so it'd be like yeah. too much time in between. And that was the first WrestleMania they did, like, Kind of pay-per-view. It was like closed caption television or something like that, I think. Before pay-per-view, so it was his first, Vince's first attempt at like, hey, everybody look at wrestling. So there's no way they could, but I mean, like, if you were looking at it logically or like I said, today's format of pay-per-views or Raw and all that good stuff, that could work out because, I mean, if, they, if he won, if he beat Hogan on, on Sunday or whatever, then the next Monday they'd have someone like TV taping in like Roanoke, New York. And have to go on like primetime <laughs> wrestling. And you know, primetime wrestling, you got Gorilla and Bobby going, I can't believe it, you know? Less of an effect than, you know, part of a big crowd like that. Yeah. I, I'm i not against the idea of booking Andre to beat Hogan. Um, and oh. I actually loved the way that they did it later that year, where Andre beat him for the title, but Dibiase helped and then bought yeah. the title. And then bought the title. Yeah. And then he was stripped of it. Like, I don't see any reason why they can't have done the same storyline at WrestleMania 3. That, that would have been a lot of fun, right? Yeah. I guess that, you know, if it wasn't the timing of like the, the TV kind of deal thing they were trying to do, and that over like they made total sense because, like you said, they basically ended up doing it a year later with the, the, the tournament at WrestleMania. Was it four, yeah. right? They had the, That's right. And they did, you know, basically did the same thing where they kind of probably did it in reverse or like maybe if you had the foresight of knowing what was going on, do that at the Survivor Series before that leads into the match at WrestleMania 3 or whatever. That's fine. But yeah. it's kind of kind of hard to say, you know, because, uh, you know, different time, different place, and all that good stuff. But I know that um, Phil will just want Hogan to lose this in three seconds because he hates him. <laughs> oh, oh, no, I agree. And plus, I'm, I here, for like, Andre... I'm here for it. <laughs> Andre's health was bad at the time, they said. But uh, I'm with <laughs> you on this because I remember when I was a kid, when I first, because I saw WrestleMania 3 after the fact. So I started like watching, paying attention to wrestling WWF, like right around uh, five. Uh, so like Macho Man, for some reason, like as soon as I saw him, I was like, this is the dude, right? So the fact that he had eyes for Elizabeth and then he lost <laughs> to Hogan, like I just hated Hogan from that point on. So then, you know, the year after, of course, when Warrior beat him, I, he, Warrior became my dude because he's like, someone beat this red and yellow piece of shit. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> and he's also gone for Nexus winning at SummerSlam 2010. Ooh, that's another good one. I feel like, the, yeah, that's a slam dunk in the sense that, I mean, the whole Nexus angle dies with them losing that match, doesn't it, really? Yeah. How would you have booked it? Would you have would you have done a double turn with Danielson? Um, I feel like the, the one that I think of when it comes to the yeah. Nexus run is I think Wade should have beat Orton for the title. Was that right? Yeah. Was it Wade and Orton for the title? The one where Cena was the ref and he yeah. had to leave yeah, and yeah. he didn't really leave. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I'd have just gone on the the Wade Barrett train at that point, to be honest. And then from there, had Wade win the title. We're such homers, aren't we? Yeah. <laughs> no, no, but see... Drew should have beat Roman. One... Wade should have beat Cena. And see, this, in this mo- uh, moment, as an American, I've become a red coat to my... I've become, like, what, the Benedict Arnold of America. 
because I'm totally for way better at winning all this. Part of being me. <laughs> part of uh, like the whole when I first met or heard of like JCH Cook and Rob, and I was gonna meet them at Mike, and I, that was my first WrestleMania. I've been a fan my whole life and putting off the trip. I don't know why. And then last second, uh, what was it uh, Dan ended up uh, canceling, but he had all the tickets bought. And so they kind of told me the week before that mania, that was the Seth Rollins cash in mania, that, you know, hey, if you buy a plane ticket, you know, bring your own spending cash. All these tickets are already paid for because I guess uh, Dan's work reimbursed them for all the money he spent because they pulled them off a holiday in the last second. So going into that, like, the amount of times we said, boom, for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> like, Wade brought us together. You know, Wade definitely brought us together. And I'm, I, I don't know, I love Wade Barrett. Like, he should have been totally a world champion at some point. And he definitely would have stuck up for you guys if he was still commentating in NXT when New Day was saying what they were saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So we've got one more from Twitter, which is Simon Dubath. And he says, the Survivor Series 97 main event. Hmm. So I'm going to stay dumb on this one because, yeah, there's one person in this match I don't particularly like as a person. So, yeah, I'll leave this to you guys. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, so, if this fact to happen and Bret Hart wins the match, how would you do the handover on the Monday Night Raw now of the title? Um, oh, It's so hard to do because he was such a likable good guy at the time, Bret, or more or less. I mean, even though all the kind of back and back and... <laughs> Well, I mean, like, for as far as, like, the location of the pay-per-view goes, I mean, a lot leading up to it, basically, Sean became the face because we all turned into terrible people and extreme in the 90s and all that stuff, and everybody liked <laughs> the anti-hero. So we all, like, heel-turned on our whole culture, basically, the worldwide. <laughs> but, I mean, they can have some kind of rematch to where he gets it back because, you know, have, a, have the finish they had and then, you know, maybe do it over on Raw and somehow, you know, make it right, whether it's, you know, interference or something like that. I mean, it made for an amazing moment in wrestling history. Some people, I can't remember if it was Kevin Nash or somebody, you know, someone along the lines of being that high up was saying that, you know, they still say it's the greatest work of all time. <laughs> Some people yeah. believe that, you know, you know, if you look back on it, because, you know, we didn't know there's no dirt sheets like it is now. It's like it could have been. Yeah. I don't know. It's like, like a work shoot in a way, kind of like, you know, like Punk and Cena in a way where it's like there's real animosity, but it's kind of like, well, let's make a make a show of it, you know? I'm always being made fun of on this podcast or line by the lads because I think that things will work. So <laughs> I believe yeah. nothing. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Life is a work completely. So don't work yourself into a shoot, brother. <laughs> if I was going to do this, I think I would probably have Brett try and do like, a, you know, the kind of I gave this company... 15 years of my blood, sweat, and tears. And I'm glad that I gave my fans in Canada the victory last night. But it's time for me to leave. Drop the belt to Vince. And then maybe have Vince do the, like, Pearl Harbor with the belt on Brett to create the Vince McMahon character in 97 rather than wait till 98. Or they could have just done what they did when Brett made that return, like, however many decades later, but just done that the next night on Raw instead. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. I think that's how I would do it, but I'm sure Sean would have wanted him to be involved a lot more. And then it might have even got to that point where Raw is booked in a certain way and then there's a screw job on Raw because Brett's doing it with Sean, even on Raw. So who knows? 
despite the fact I do think that Brett did screw Brett, the most hilarious thing on the uh, Wrestling <laughs> Shadows dark is when Shawn Michaels pleads innocence and said he has absolutely no idea about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's the funniest yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you guys seen yeah, the all um, in the locker room looking down? Like, I don't know, brother. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> it's like, like, that's the same way you tell your mom, like, who did it? I don't know. Is your brother or you? I don't know. I won the world title and walked away with the belt, but I had no idea it was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, at a big pay-per-view in your own yeah. country. But, like, no it was a shock to me. <laughs> Have you guys seen oh, the, um, the WWE DVD they brought out where it was like a sit-down interview with Jim Ross? Brett and Sean. Yeah, the two of them. And they kind of have it out. And like Jim Ross is asking all these really pertinent questions. And Brett Hart has been waiting years for this moment, right? And he's got... <laughs> yeah. He's got one he's, in the chamber ready. <laughs> and it, he's got like a notepad with like dates and times. <laughs> and like, <laughs> and like exact quotes that Sean said and like... Yeah, he brings out his live journal. His live journal. <laughs> and every time that he aims something at Sean... Sean just goes, I'm sorry if I did that. I can't remember if I did that because I was in a certain way at that time. And, I feel and, like that's an absolute shoot from Sean as well, by the way. And you can feel Bret Hart getting angry and angry, being like, just tell me that you were wrong. That's all I want. Yeah, that's all and I want. he just won't yeah. do it. He will not do it. He'll just be like, I'm sorry you feel that way. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's like a real life situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like a real life situation where someone disses you and you like hold on to anger forever. And then we bring it up to them. They literally and truly don't remember. So it just makes you even more mad about it. <laughs> like, I did that? Nah, man. Like, but we're cool now, right? <laughs> it's such a, a fascinating watch, like watching one man kind of <laughs> angry and angry and almost recoil at, the, at every answer that he's getting back. Knowing that this is his chance of twenty years of recognition and just getting nothing. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's, that's one of those things that kind of plays like a long-term storytelling in my own personal wrestling fandom. Because uh, after I got past being the kid, like you know, loving the larger than life, you know, Macho Man, Ultimate Warrior, like the next three people I really got into was Mr. Perfect, Shawn Michaels, and Bret Hart. So you know, SummerSlam matches that him and Perfect were crazy. I was so pissed off when he kicked out of the Perfect Plex, not a Suplex, oh, Perfect Plex. You don't kick out of that. It's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> but then, you know, I was a Sean guy for a long time, right? And even, like, when he came back, you know, Mr. A God-Loving Christian in the 2000s, and then as I got older, I kind of, like, started to get that kind of, I like the graps and the old storytelling and the cornet mindset. And so I started thinking maybe Brett was right all along. So I don't know <laughs> if that coincides with me being a punk guy, too. I mean, I'll never hit Sean. Sean's still in the top five. Like the yeah. current top five, I would say all, all overall would be Punk, Danielson, probably Kurt, Sean, and then Mr. Perfect, probably the fifth. That's so a good top five. Top five. That's a good yeah. top five. I mean, it's it's so hard when you watch wrestling for so long in your life that it's and you kind of start loving everybody. Like you want to throw Zack <laughs> Saber in there. You want to throw like just new people that you met, you know, like along the way. Then like the little people that mean something to you that may not be big stars, like Jimmy Jacobs is probably in my top ten because I, I just love that dude and all the little things he's done. And he's actually talked to me on Instagram and sh- shared a self help book with me called the uh, Four Agreements. There's a plug for that book for some reason. Good book, <laughs> good read. Help change um, my life, Jimmy Jacobs. <laughs> talking of um, Shawn Michaels, I found out this week because I tweeted him a nice thing. I realized that he's blocked us, and I was fucking gutted. What have oh. we done? Whoa! <laughs> I, I actually liked Brett all along, to be fair. I thought Shawn was an absolute piece of shit. Okay. Um, 
Justice for Brett and all that, yeah. But I think he's um, quite synonymous for blocking people. So, I, like, it's done with love. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you want to think, like, what was he doing? Just sitting there, you know, watching something on Netflix, kind of just dicking around his phone, not paying attention. You're like, wait a minute, what? You got some nerve and just hitting block. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the showstopper. You get to all pacing around his apartment, all our house, all mad. <laughs> Um, but I think a lot of those uh, celebrities have those bot things that kind of, if you mention their name and there's like keywords in it, it just like robotically blocks you yeah. no matter what. Let's say I, it was a bot blocked. and it wasn't a human bot from the Heartbreak Kid. <laughs> yeah, because I got blocked by Jonathan Gresham's like home promotion thing. I can't remember what it's called, the one he started here recently. Okay. But it is like, I, I was like, I'm, I was like, I'm excited for the first pay per view. Blocked instantly. <laughs> and I got wow. like five or six pictures of Gresham, you know, over the years. I'm like, that hurts my heart a little bit. Yeah, I absolutely hate these people on Twitter that brag about, oh, I was a dick, so I got blocked. I don't right. understand that. You're like trying to get over the wrong kind of way. It's like there's yeah. so much negativity on Twitter. Like, you guys, wrestling should be fun. I love it. Like, even if I know you through a third party or something, like, I love the idea. It should be silly. It should be fun. We all have our preferences and our judgy mindsets, but like, you know, take it easy. or tranquilo a little bit, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Like, our basic mindset is, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. <laughs> and we learned that from Fumper. <laughs> <laughs> so, we'll end this roundtable with our three picks. I'll start with mine. Mine is Bam Bam Bigelow beats Lawrence Taylor at WrestleMania in 95. Ooh. I think Lawrence I Taylor didn't, didn't need to win. <laughs> It didn't need to be the main event either. It would have put up Bam Bam. Um, he could have then won King of the Ring rather than Mabel. And we would have got a cool feud with him against Brett for the title. Ooh, that's a good one. Man, I wish I was preferred to this question beforehand. Man, those are two good ones. That's <laughs> my pick. Uh, Josh, you, you I said that you've got two or three lined up. Do you want to say yours? Yeah, so the one to pop our group more so. I'd have liked Laura to win the title at that first ballroom show I went to. That would have been nice. Yeah. But my main one is not the Goldberg match most of my friends would have thought I'd gone for, but I would have had Kevin Owens beat Goldberg. Ooh, because I feel like Brock Lesnar and Goldberg, their WrestleMania match absolutely didn't need the Universal title. And I feel like Chris Jericho versus Kevin Owens absolutely did. Mate, great one. Brilliant one. Yeah. How are you, Bob? What are you now, mate? Oh, um, man. Uh, what was the year of the Rumble when um, I think it was one of the years that Roman Reigns won? Of course, in retrospect now, you know, like Roman Reigns is the, is the high chief and praise you, praise the blessings <laughs> of the high chief now. But the one where he won the Rumble and they were kind of wanting, I can't, I think it was the one where Daniel Bryan hit. 15? I think it was the one where he had a singles match with Bray or something, maybe, or something. And then he lost that, or Randy Orton, maybe. And then they were thinking he was going to be one of the entrants in the Rumble later on. They never won. I think it was the one where Ray Mysterio came out as 30. The one, uh, Batista one. Yeah, like, uh, him yeah. winning that at that time, maybe, or something like that. And then, yeah. uh, what's another one I can think of? Was that the one where The Rock came out too and said, look, this is Roman Reigns, you should like him. Yeah, and then The Rock, <laughs> the Rock pulled his confused face. Yeah, it's like, oh, this went way better in production. <laughs> As you're a, um, big CM Punk fan, what about, um, The Rock at the Rumble? Oh. Dude, are you trying to get me, like, like, you can you curse on this podcast? Like, man, you're gonna get me, oof. Like, I'm a pretty even kill wrestling fan, but like even when uh, 
the last, you know, pay real people because like people come over to my house, usually about, you know, eight, ten people or something over here. And like, that's the only time like wrestling is real to me, damn it. Like, I was just, you know, like, Bucks and Kenny and, well, <laughs> yeah, but that one, especially after he said the line that your hands or your arms are too short to box with God. I'm like, yeah, take that. <laughs> suck it, Dwayne. <laughs> Amazing. So even he's, well, even he said in that uh, you know, the infamous cult podcast that he was kind of pitching the idea like it doesn't make sense. But if you want The Rock to win the title or you want that thing, you can easily have Rock, Punk, and Cena at the WrestleMania right after that and still have Punk lose. Give Punk his flowers for a Mania main event. Then the loss is a you know, bigger deal than the obvious like Rock's going to beat him you know, the month before. And, you know, I'd still, I'd still be totally okay with Punk losing in that situation. But the fact that he had a, you know, like you said, the fact that Dwayne... <laughs> Yes, I'm so glad that I triggered you just for that impression. Dude, no, I, no, I'm pacing around my apartment right now. I'm walking around, my headphones in. I'm thinking about it. I'm looking at my poster of CM Punk in the wall, going like, "We could have done it, Phil." I, I would have ran in for you as a member of the Free Society, off, hooded up, and everything, ready to go. Amazing. Oh, one more. So it was that '93 SummerSlam where Hogan and Yokozuna incident. Which is one of the grossest things that ever happened. Um, King of the Ring '93, I think that was. Or was it Mania? It was the one where uh, it was oh, Brett versus oh, Yokozuna, oh, the... and then Hogan comes out at the yes, end. Yes, sorry, yeah, yeah. Oh my yeah. god! Like Horrible. I was living. I was that. That was the moment where it's like, I don't care. Hogan can come to my house. Give him here's a million dollars, brother. You're my you're my favorite wrestling fan. I'm like you <laughs> screwed Brett. <laughs> you you think of it like ten like ten seconds too. Oh my god! Oh, so, I'm so mad at that. So let's say that they do the exact same finish with Brett gets the salt in the eyes, he can't see, so he loses. And someone has to come out and beat him for the title in 10 seconds. I don't know the timing, because that was that was post the Lex Express run, right? Or was that before? That was before it. I think Lex wrestled as the narcissist on that against Lex Luger. Against, oh, um, yeah. against, against Lex Luger? <laughs> oh, yeah, you're right. I was like, oh, that's not like an Ethan Page Karate Man thing situation. <laughs> oh, man. It's kind of hard to think about like, who were the the top guys at the time. So you could have had Mr. Perfect. You could have had Crush. You could have had Crush. Uh, <laughs> In retrospect, Crush seems like a choice that Vince would make. You know, a big guy. He's got the colors and people love him. He crushes heads. I'd want to see Crush versus Yokozuna for the WWE title of WrestleMania. If you gave him a build, like Big Daddy Cool kind of situation, I think that would have worked at the time. Yeah. Or... They could have signed Ron Simmons in 93 and done the Roman um, gimmick in that Roman. <laughs> oh, dreamer. my God. Now you're, now, you're, now you're in the ballpark. You're in the land of silly now, and I love it. <laughs> I won't argue. That's it. That's the answer. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, have him, have so him come out on the camel and everything, or whatever it was. Man. Wrestling should be fun. So we'll end it on that bombshell. Farouk is your champion. <laughs> yeah, Marty, um, I invented a time machine. I've driven back to uh, 1993 to make Farouk the world champion. Uh, Sal, I know that you've got AEW to get to, so we'll let you go. You're heading to Dynamite, correct? Uh, yeah, Dynamite Rampage. Uh, in Garland, Texas, just outside of Dallas. Yeah. Beautiful. Hopefully seeing um, Ricky Starks win the title. <laughs> yeah, I see uh, like Ricky Starks and like Guevara. A lot of these guys that, that signed with the original crew of uh, 
AEW were all Dallas guys because Cody had come down here to this, uh, like I said, the promotion called VIP Wrestling uh, right after uh, him like leaving WWE. He bought a house here just north of Dallas for a while because uh, Brady was doing his like uh, Ricardo Rodriguez kind of thing, like the, yeah, the yeah, yeah, yeah. gimmick. So, she, you know, she's saying, you know, he's the son of the plumber and the star who left him in the dust, now residing in Lake Dallas, Texas. And, you know, oh, everybody's going nuts. So that was his exposure to a lot of these guys. And, uh, like, one of the matches he saw at the time was Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sammy Guevara in the main event. And you think the conflicting styles, but, like, it was probably, like, 20 or so odd minutes. You can find it on YouTube, actually, that one match. Sounds and, good uh, to me. Like, yeah, it kind of brought in, like, a lot of these guys, you know, Starks and Guevara, Keith Lee, Shane Taylor. It kind of made him aware of a lot of the people that eventually kind of signed along. And I don't know, it's just you, you see a guy you're like, you know, over there, like same situation, I'm sure. You see a guy wrestle in front of, you know, 30 to 100 people and you're high five and having a pint with him, you know, and then you, he's on television. It's not like necessarily like one of those things where you try to do the proud papa moment, like you knew him that well or like you're a big part of his life. But it's like surreal to see that because you don't get to see that in like any other form of entertainment, really, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, we're very much looking forward to seeing the wrestling should be fun sign at Dynamite. Really, <laughs> really hoping right, so, that the TV director so, finds it. So see, I'll get you over for sure on uh, San Antonio next next week because I'm yeah. positioned like I'm positioned in the 100 section in the middle. I'm not ringside. I'm like you know six rows back. So when the like I told you, I think uh, as the uh, seats start to go up in the lower level, I'll be yeah. front row there. Amazing. So, like that's getting on regardless if they want it or not. Now tonight. <laughs> If you're a wrestler, wrestler, walking down the aisle, brother, and you, you turn right to go towards the hard cam, in that little corner right there, we're not the first two seats. Me and Mike are three and four. Amazing. So hopefully because of hopefully because of the positioning. Like I'm pretty sure they'll like some of my signs just because they fit the moment. But the other ones, I'll be a, I'll be a nerd and a mark, and I'll stick them up when they inevitably go outside the ring or use the you know the table gimmick in the corner over there. So yeah, yeah. Well, make well make sure that you tweet out your signs and uh we'll do some retweeting for you my man okay yeah i'll take a few pictures before the show starts and it's kind of like getting floating around that way people can you know get, be ready to be ready yeah amazing um so where can people find you on twitter at save your danger on pretty much everything on uh instagram same thing i think uh for the longest time i didn't have my real name salva la real it said uh at you know save your danger was a screen name and it said at scoop poopson because i forgot that <laughs> <laughs> Like me and my friends drunkenly just come up with nicknames and if it like evolves because you did something stupid, like it just changes. Yeah. Yeah. So for a long time on my friend's phone, I was Scoop Poopson and it was a picture of a dog poop scooping its own poop in a pooper scooper. So I don't know. <laughs> don't know why. I mean, it didn't evolve any poop necessarily, but it was funny in the moment. <laughs> That's well, a shout out to my friend, uh, Kevin um, Williams, as I call him. All gimmicks are a fun gimmick and Scoop Poopson is fun to us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Josh. guys. I really did enjoy this a lot. Oh, no worries, man. Josh, did you want to plug your website? Yeah, so nobody'sready.com is my blog where I do wrestling stuff every now and then and the odd football stuff. My next one, uh, because 2022 has been a pretty, what should we say, rough year at times for wrestling. At the end of this month, I'm going to be putting out a blog of 22 feel-good and happy moments that happened this year in wrestling. So, yeah, hope everyone checks that out when I release it. For sure. When it's released, mate, um, make sure that you tag us and we'll do some retweeting for you. Um, cool. And we are Wrestling Should Be Fun on uh, Instagram at Wrestling Should Be Fun and Twitter at WSBFUN. That's been episode 76. Sal and Josh, thank you so much for joining us. I've had a lot of fun. And don't forget to look after your mates and drink lots of water. Bye. Thank you. Bye.
Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Wrestling should be fun. Should be fun. Wrestling should be fun.